Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Jennifer. And welcome to All Things Terror. Uh, this is a research podcast uh, where we bring you spooky stories from science, history, and true crime. I I know that you have moved around quite a bit. Yes. And I much. have moved around quite a bit. Yeah. And even within the same cities, I have changed houses quite a bit, and you have. Oh, yeah. So I have a question for you. What is a... What's like the weirdest or funniest thing that you found in a house that you were moving into? You're like, what the fuck? Did you decide not to take this with you or what? Um, not quite what you're going for, but my first house in Louisiana, you know, they're all elevated foundations. So like you can crawl under the house and the animals do. And my first house I had terrible my cats got fleas really bad and they were all only indoor and it was just this constant battle and i assumed it was because like possums and raccoons would get under the house and leave the fleas and then the fleas would come up through the floorboards and when i moved i like moved this box of my stuff that had been in a closet and there were holes in the floorboard underneath that box that I just dropped there the day I moved in, never moved it. (laughs) And I learned one that the floor was basically just like plywood and then like some, you know, wood floor on top and the holes, I could like see the ground. And I was like, this is horrifying. That house also had like people had drawn on the walls at one point and people had like painted over it, but not very well. So you could see like these drawings. I don't know that I've ever found anything super weird. The house I've lived in now, I like lived in for a year and I was like vacuuming my bedroom and something wouldn't vacuum up and I found like a little earring and I was like, this isn't my earring. But also how has this just been hanging out for a year in this house? How long has it been since you vacuumed? (laughs) I mean, that's a very valid question. To be fair, it was like in kind of where like the floorboard meets the carpet. So it was like this weird little corner. Uh, So I think that is the real issue. But I vacuum the places where the cats go far more than I vacuum like my bedroom. Like the living room and the cat room get vacuumed, I would say, easily two to three times more than my bedroom. Because the only thing I use it for is when I'm getting dressed or going to sleep. I'm just like, no one ever hangs out in there. Doesn't get that dirty. Fair enough. So I think the creepiest thing I ever found in a house actually was this house that we moved into when I was a kid. And... So there was the main house part, but then there was a garage. And it's not like a garage like most people think about. This is like old, old country garage. But right on top of the garage was a smaller, like, apartment that they built. So, like, if you wanted to, you could have someone renting out the apartment that sits on top of your garage. Oh. And it was a pretty nice place. It, like, had a kitchen, bathroom, a couple bedrooms, living room. Like, it was a proper apartment. Yeah. Inside of this apartment was, like, this really fucked up, creepy-ass clown painting. No! <laughs> and the owners of the house had left some furniture and, like, some kitchenwares and stuff in that place. And, like, that's fine, because, like, like, when we were kids, we'd go in there and play... You know, because, like, why not? You have, like, basically a micro house that you can just, like, tear around in. 
But the reason why they had put that painting up is that there was just this big hole in the wall that they didn't want to plaster up. So they're like, fuck it, painting over the wall. Shut up. Uh, That is super creepy. (laughs) Right. And every time I go in there, I'd be like, man, this, I mean, like, I didn't have, I've never had a fear of clowns, but like that painting did fuck me up a little bit. Like I can remember it in great detail and were I ever inclined, I could probably paint a replica of it, you know, and distribute it as a terrifying gift to all my friends. But the second thing, because I found I've moved into houses that had like all kinds of weird shit left behind, including toys. Oh, but <laughs> that's that's either like scary, like a horror movie, or like sad, like your parents are drug addicts or something. Right. Oh. Um. Yeah. Just like you know, like stuffed animals, or like there was like one of those. I don't know, like those. Like, the big cube, like, they're not Legos, but they're, like, fake Lego sets, like, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. My, my favorite thing is actually, well, my, the funniest thing, and it's stupid, but when I bought, um, when I bought this house, it was up in the attic, and there's just, like, this random hat in the attic. What? And you can tell it's probably, like, whoever was building this house at the time was wearing this hat and at some point put it down and just left it there. But now I feel like it's part of the home. Yeah. And when I move out, I want to leave the attic hat in the attic. Yeah, with a little note that's like, if you found this, it has to stay here. (laughs) (laughs) What? You should post a picture of the attic hat. Okay, next time I go in the attic, I'll take a picture. Also, as your story went on, I realized that you were describing like a baseball cap. But my first hat was kind of like a Kangol hat, maybe, or like a, <laughs> a top hat, like something from like the 1900s. Your house is like brand new. I don't know why my brain just went to this weird like top hat situation. Well, that's what makes it more mysterious. Oh. <laughs> how did how did a hat get in, inside of a house that was built relatively recently? Right? Like three years ago. <laughs> So it was built on ancient white people burial grounds. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that line of thought because <laughs> very appropriately I give I feel like a lot of people give Edgar Allan Poe a lot of shit. And and to be fair, like if you read the stories and stuff like they are kind of boring like in terms of the writing, but they're also very memorable. Like you don't forget, you know, the sound of the heart coming up from the floorboards, right? Yeah. Or like, what's the one where they're all trying to get away from the plague, the mask of the Red Death? That one spooked the shit out of me. So one of the ones I read, again, if people want explanations for the reason why I am the way I am, I was reading a lot of Edgar Allan Poe as a child. And one of the ones I read was, of course, uh cast of Amontillado. I love that one. Uh, there are some internet It's so memes. good. It's so good and it's also, like, it's so sinister and creepy when you read it, but it's it's also become, like, this everyone knows it, and so, like, the spoofs of it are just delightful. Well, I will do a quick rundown for people who have not read Cask of Amontillado, but you should. Also, what kind of teenagerhood did you have if you never read an Edgar Allan Poe story. Where 
I, you know, probably one that was very sheltered and boring. We read them in school. Like, I remember my teachers being like, all right, kids, let's get the fuck into this creepy ass shit. Like, I think they, they delighted that we enjoyed something. We also, I remember in high school, we read Raul Dahl, who did like the Trailing the Chocolate Factory and all those kids stories. Yeah. He has tons of uh, adult short stories and they are dark. And we read one, I cannot remember what it's called, but it's this pregnant wife and the husband comes home and essentially says that he's like leaving her or something. And she's been like defrosting a leg of lamb and she just like grabs it and whacks him over the head and like kills him. (laughs) And then, yeah, it's funny. And then like does something with the body. I don't remember what that part is, but then she's like, well, I don't want this lamb to go to waste. So she cooks it. And as she's, I mean, reasonable. Yeah. And as she's cooking it, the police come to talk to her and she serves them the lamb, like the murder weapon. And they're like, yeah, your husband probably ran off. Anyway, thanks for dinner. Bye. (laughs) So it's like, well, that's convenient. Now I don't have to worry about disposing of the evidence. Right. So I, I, I bring it up. Yeah. Tell us, tell us the plot of the Casca Amontillado. You were about to do that. And then I interrupted by being like, Yeah. So Montresor lures uh, Fortunato into a wine cellar by telling him that he obtained a rare vintage of Amontillado. Time out for any of those who haven't had Amontillado. It's a type of wine. It's kind of like port or sherry, so I recommend giving it a try. Um, The reason why Montresor lures Fortunato in is basically because Fortunato insults him and Montresor is like, Oh, no, girlfriend. Yeah, but this whole time, Fortunato is, like, drunk, and he's like, you're my pal, you're such a good friend, and Montresor is- Oh, sorry. Stop. Stop it, Emily. No. (laughs) It is true. He's not quite drunk yet, but he had been drinking, and he- Montresor further uh, baits Fortunato into the trap by stating that he's going to go to Lucchesi to taste the wine- for confirmation of, like, the quality of the Amontillado. And, of course, Fortunato can't even with Lucchesi. He's like, he can't tell the difference between a this and a that. You know, because yeah. that's how that's how something I'm skipping here is, like, these are all, like, super upper-class people, so they have time to worry about things like Amontillado and being insulted. Montresor gets Fortunato into... You know, where the wine cellar is, and then he lures him further into the catacombs. And while he's walking Fortunato through this place, so you have to imagine this is like an expansive estate. He keeps giving Fortunato wine to keep him drunk. Yeah. And docile. So Montresor uh, points to this little cutout in the wall area, and he goes, Well, the Amontillado is in there. And Fortunato's like, cool beans you know and walks yeah, right in a totally normal thing to happen yep. at any point you're like we're gonna drink this together and then you go into a creepy ass basement and someone goes it's in that wall hole you're just like yeah of course this is exactly how all human interactions go <laughs> right so he goes in and remember Fortunato's pretty fucking wasted at this time and montresor like jumps in and chains him to the wall mm-hmm. And then he starts walling up Fortunato brick by brick. And it's funny because how they describe it in the book is he like goes around a corner where he kept like his 
his trowel and his bricks and like his mason stuff. And he does this just before Fortunato is like, wait, like Fortunato made a, a joke about him being a, a mason. And of course, Montresor is probably in his head like, oh, you want to see mason? I'll fucking show you mason, motherfucker. Right. You know, so he's getting bricked up in this wall. And the entire time Fortunato's like, wait, but we're friends. And Montresor's like, fuck you. You're going to be in this wall. And the thing that makes it a little bit unsettling I think besides just this whole plot, which is fucking great and creepy, is that there is a moment where Montresor is like, I feel a little bit bad about this. Well, it's best not to think about it. And then moves on. (laughs) Yeah. And Montresor is like narrating this the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, this guy deserves to die. And then as he's like, and this is what he's talking about. You're like, this guy doesn't really seem like an evil genius. (laughs) I want to point out finding weird things in a house that you move into is pretty common, especially if you're someone who moves a lot. But two, um, I bring up the cask of Amontillado because I want to talk about things that are not human bodies Mm. that people have found inside the walls of their homes. Ooh. So um, I'm going to start with a, a quick and fun one, and this is just for you, Emily. Oh no. But in St. Louis, on Octo in October 2014. Oh, recent. In a specific re- residence, spiders began crawling out of the ceilings and walls. What? People had bought the house. The owners at the time didn't disclose um in the purchase that there was a spider infant infestation. So these people are, you know, settling in. Getting into their new home, like, yeah, we bought a house, it's super cool, we live in St. Louis, I don't know what people do in St. Louis, but there's probably fun stuff to do, and all of a sudden, just raining spiders. And they're just like, wow, there are a lot of spiders here, and then, like, a wall of spiders comes out. So, you know how I feel about people diagnosing the spider situation as a brown recluse situation. So this report said that it was a brown recluse, but again, I find that suspicious because brown recluses actual brown recluses are only found in very small specific portions of this country and st louis missouri is not one of those places no they like dry places yeah and there are lots of different types of recluses which people often confuse with brown recluses but again i don't want to propagate spider fear i'm just saying this for everybody they're not aggressive spiders you shouldn't kill them just because they're you're afraid of them and no if they bite you they most likely won't kill you they will hurt it will you know make a nasty wound and that wound can probably get pretty infected but that's because of bacteria and if you're old sick or a child it can kill you but that's also extremely rare yeah but they're so the reason people get bit is because the spiders are very like shy and they hide yeah. and they'll be like in a shirt that you haven't worn in a while. And you take that out of the closet and you put it on and the spider's in there and it bites you to be like, ah, I'm trying to get away. Why are you attacking me? Yeah. Right. Fucking wolf spiders, man. Those things. No, are- those are mean. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, uh, we had an unfinished basement. And then one year when I was in about fifth grade, my dad finished. He's like, I'm going to finish the basement. And he finished my room. And then he was like, fuck that. That was way too much work. And the rest of the <laughs> basement was unfinished. But the first like 
two summers that I lived there, there were so many wolf spiders and they are awful. They will run at you. They are aggressive. Like they do not give a fuck. And if you were yeah, if you're just sitting down, reading a book, minding your own business, it will come up to you and talk shit. Yeah, I um I had a two by four that I kept in my room specifically for killing the spiders because if you hit them and they don't die, they will run at you. They will like come for you. And so I was like, I need to be far away when I make these attempts. Yeah. Um so it's funny because Poisonous spiders actually tend to be less aggressive because they don't have to use aggression and brute force to attack its prey or defend itself. Yeah. Um, but ground spiders, and that's actually true for spiders that have webs as well because, again, they don't have to use aggression um, or force to kill anything. But ground spiders, uh, like wolf spiders, that don't have any poisons, that don't have, or poison or venom? Venom. I know there's a, yes, venom, that don't have venom. They have, like, their protection tactics rely on them being aggressive, fast, and strong. Yeah. So uh, tarantulas can be more aggressive than a lot of spiders, too. So, it's... you know, and people keep those as pets. I... <laughs> The first time I saw a tarantula, I was like, well, the only time I've seen one in person, but I was just sitting outside talking with some people and I just saw it out of the corner of my eye walking across the sand, but they're so big and they move so slow that like they don't, it wasn't scurrying. It wasn't moving like a spider. Like I just, I was like, oh, is that a, like a mouse or something? And I looked over and I was like, oh, there's a tarantula. And like, it wasn't scary because it it moved like a small animal as opposed to like the way that little insects are all darty and terrifying like because they scurry it was just sort of like uh (laughs) and it was crazy we all sat there looking at it and i was like i feel like i should be freaked out and this one girl was like yeah i'm really afraid of spiders but it's not that scary and i'm like yeah it's just kind of going along (laughs) it was out for a walk yeah Minding its own business. So anyways, um, spiders. So wait, now, I'm sorry. Is the point of this spiders or strange things found in walls? Because we just talk about spiders a lot. Well, you know my passion for spiders and um, insects in general. It's so. true. And I'm not really afraid of spiders anymore. I have, I have pets in the summer that eat all my flies, but... I will say, uh, fuck a wolf spider. I will, I will kill a wolf spider because I feel like they look at me and they like shink, pull out two knives out of their front legs. And then I pull two knives out and I'm like, let's do this. Like, (laughs) it feels like, I feel like it's a fair fight. And then this, this, it feels like, um, you just described beat it, but with spiders. I just described what? beat it oh yeah <laughs> i thought you said bean dip and i was like whoa what yes, is happening <laughs> well and last fall i went to like turn my water on and i like turned the little spigot and a uh, black widow like crawled from behind the spigot kind of 
to a place I couldn't see. And I just, I, I, in my mind did not feel scared, but my whole body just went like cold and shivery and like, no, like it was so weird where I was like, oh, I know it's not going to bite me. I'll be really careful. I'll keep the pets in for a while. But my body just was like, uh, death. Like it was so weird. Yeah, they're extremely docile. They're I'd... very creepy looking, though. And there's just something about, like, the way that their big orb body hangs on its legs. Like, seeing them in person, <laughs> you're like, everything about their anatomy is something that I fear on an instinctual level. Well, this will be my last spider fact. <laughs> spider After... facts with Emily and Jen. <laughs> After I... After I point out, I am proud of you, Emily. I know that our earlier budding friendship was partially founded on your fear of spiders and putting a spider in a jar for me, but... Oh, well, that um, fucking... That was scary. I was laying in bed looking at my phone. So, you know, however close you hold your phone to your face, and all of a sudden, a giant spider was in between my face and the phone, and I thought I was going to fucking shit my pants. I was so scared... And I had an empty glass and I just like slammed it on top of the spider and had no idea what else to do. Like, I think I, so she texted me and she's like, I have a spider in a jar for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But also I like slept in the, the other room with the light on. I was so afraid. It was, and the cats were like, what are you doing? Like Rue was there and the late great Luca and they were both just like, all right, I guess we're staying out here tonight. Like, they followed me. They did not know why. So, do you remember what kind of spider you thought it was? No. I remember thinking, because it had, like, big old mouth parts, and I was like, this is going to kill me dead, isn't it? Well, you had been like, "I I think it might be a recluse, and I looked at it. And again, so we were in New Mexico, and New Mexico can sometimes have brown recluses but they actually have um it's like a a a patchy recluse is the actual species that lives out there typically and i was looking at it and it was totally just like a normal little house spider Uh, it was not (laughs) little though it was it was totally totally normal bro but last spider fact i promise and we'll move on because i have lots of creepy things and walls to tell you about um (laughs) Fun fact, spiders do not have veins. Um, what? Their, their blood is just, like, in their body. What? They're just, like, a sack of blood that's being held in by their body sack parts. So, like, their their organs are literally saturated in blood. Like, they're just floating in blood. What the fuck? Yep. That and is that's the most not- upsetting thing I have ever heard. It's not extremely uncommon in the insect world to see that, but it is very interesting because if you think about it, like, you know, we're meat suits and we have meat parts and then we have organ parts and then, like, our blood is neatly contained in these long strips of, like, weird cells. Um, But spiders, like, their whole bodies were like, yeah, we don't have fucking time for that kind of organization. We're small, compact, and we need to figure out how to use energy efficiently. Just throw all that shit together. They're just like Tupperwares full of blood with with meatballs (laughs) bouncing around or something. And legs. (laughs) 
Ooh, I wish they're, you could they're see They're spaghetti my face. sauce and meatballs. There you go. I will never get over that. Ugh. I'm so glad they're small. Can you imagine, like, a horse-sized insect and then, like, a horse-sized spider and it, like, I don't know, bumps into something and gets a puncture and all this blood just, like, runs down the street? It it wouldn't work, though, right? Because, like, it it would not, like, something that size needs, like, physical structure so like bones and it needs um muscles in order to have movement so it's just if that creature existed it would die instantly (laughs) thank god anyways so we spent like 15 minutes talking about spiders i'm sorry i really love spiders we're moving on so um and that was supposed to be the easy one (laughs) um another fun one uh another is fun in air quotes I think these are fun. <laughs> uh, I'm going to... I'm picking on the Midwest here. You'll notice, um, but I promise. They don't mind. They're polite. They're like, oh, I, yeah, we get it. <laughs> I'll, I'll move away from the Midwest at some point and then um, t- make fun of Canada a little bit. But in Rexbury, Idaho... <gasps> Rexburg? Um, uh, Rexburg. Rexburg, yes. Sorry. I only know that because all my dad's family lives in Idaho, and so I know a lot about Idaho. I lived there for a year as well. It's not great. Well, Emily's dad family. This is dad's family. This is for you. Yeah. So, uh, Ben and Amber purchased this little cute house in September. <gasps> also, I just want to point out. Oh, wait. I think the- I know this story. The months, so I'm just going to preface my whole thing with pay attention to the months, pay attention to pay attention to locations. So they bought this house in September 2009, and um, they, you know, worked with a real estate agent, and there was like a lawyer involved and a couple other things, but sure. um, they were told that uh, this house had a reputation for having a snake infestation. And <laughs> the real estate agent and everyone they talked to was like, no, it's a lie. There were like snakes one time. It wasn't that big of a deal. They were all caught and it's out of here, that kind of thing. So just chill. Um, Not a big deal. And they're like, okay, sure. We're going to buy this house then. And they had to sign a disclosure being like, yes, people told us about the snakes because all these people were like, it's not real. Well, they found snakes and the walls. <laughs> Shocking. And they were using the walls to get into the house. Um, and it's <laughs> and it's funny because, like, uh, Amber talked about, like, I don't know, like, her first day in the house, they found, like, eight snakes. And she was like, okay, well, I thought they said they caught them all, but they put them in the traps and then they moved the snakes out. No big deal. Well, there was one day where they actually caught 48 snakes. And oh. it was just constantly just snakes all the time. And one of the things that she said in the interview that just, like, cracked me up because, like, I feel like this is something that I would say if somebody was like, so what's it like living with snakes? And it wouldn't be like, oh, fucking snakes, you know? It'd be like, well, our water tasted how they smelled. Our water? Oh, no, that's terrible. Yes. Snakes are stinky. Yeah, so what they think happened um is that this house ended up being built on top of a gartner snake den uh, uh, um uh. and this den is actually somewhere where they 
like large groups of them would gather to hibernate. So basically, they built something on top of a bunch of snakes' homes, and now everybody's shitting themselves because there's a snake on uh, a bunch of snakes in the house. And it's like, you know, this is why we need to be a little more respectful of our sound or surrounding environment. I know that you really want to develop space and make money, but like, don't fuck with a snake's den, even if it's a gardener snake, because like they're harmless. Well, and they're not they're not even really aggressive. Like you're still like you're never gonna get rid of that situation. The other thing that's funny about that is that <laughs> I bet it doesn't bother the snakes at all. Like they're just like, oh, it's cool in here, uh, perfect in the summer, and then oh, we can go through these tubies and into nice warm walls in the winter. Oh, thank you so much. Like. And they're like, I don't know if I like those curtains, but it's fine, Susan. Yeah, like, the, everyone else is, like, horrified, and the snakes are just like, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> right. So, um, they ended, because they signed the di- disclosure, they couldn't, like, sue or make the bank take back the house, which is what the previous owner did, and a couple of uh, other owners did that, too, but, like, so eventually they just had to abandon the home in 2009. Now, I will say... I'm moderately interested in buying a snake house. <laughs> I feel like that could become a very niche vacation rental. <laughs> well, I mean, they're just gardener snakes, right? So, yeah. I mean, as long as you don't get in their way, like, really, it's just like, oh, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to step around you and make breakfast. Uh, you guys interested in some live mice that I have over here for you as snacks or whatever they eat? I actually don't know what they eat, but I imagine they eat rodents. Um, I think probably, I think if they're really small, they eat bugs. Well, they're, they're, I mean, they're typical backyard snakes, so they probably eat all kinds of small animals, but that's my guess. I don't know. I'm waving my ignorance card here, but it's an interesting story. Um, I, the, and I feel really bad for those people because you know what? There's nothing wrong with the snakes. There's nothing wrong with the house. What's wrong oh. is that all the people that were like slimy and dupe these people into spending money on something I can't live in. I don't know. The, our water tasted how they smelled. I don't want to take a shower in snake water. I mean, snakes <laughs> smell like cold farts. <laughs> they don't smell good. That would be kind of a bummer. I, snakes too. I mean, I grew up in an area where you had to watch out for rattlesnakes. There weren't a lot of snakes in the high desert, except for ones that could, like, tough it out. Um, So I was raised to be, like, have a healthy fear of snakes. Like, if you see a snake, keep your distance. But still, like, I've also caught, like, water snakes with my cousins, you know, and stuff like that. They're... Again, there is this thing where, like, there is something about the way they move and seeing a snake that your body reacts before your mind gets there. Like, I remember going on a walk or a hike with our friend Emily in New Mexico, and they had signs that were like, watch out for rattlesnakes. And she was really freaked out. She's from Georgia. And she's like, are there really rattlesnakes out here? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, my God, what do I do if I see one? And I'm like don't even worry about it. Like, if you see a snake or you hear it, you will freeze instinctually. Like, your body will know what to do, and then the snake will probably go away before you even realize what's happening. So, you say all this, but fun fact, um, when I would come to Houston 
for the time period that I was coming to Houston in my childhood, uh, Houston has a lot of gardener snakes. And I would spend so much time in the backyard of, like, my grandmother's house or my mom's house or whoever's house I was visiting, catching, like, lizards and spiders and gardener snakes and just would play with the gardener snakes until I got bored. Yeah, I've, I was like that with lizards as a kid. I was always uh, catching uh, horned toads, or as we called them as children, because children are dumb, horny lizards. <laughs> uh, which is a very desert-specific thing to do, because they're kind of like grouchy little, like they look like grouchy, flattened things. And that's basically what they are. And they'll like throw up on you to kind of like, like grasshoppers to be like, let me go. And then they're just like, fine. That's what I, you know, I want to sort of practice that reaction. Fine. Yeah. Well, whenever someone is like bothering me and I don't want to engage with them, just like throw up that, throw up at them (laughs) and be like, like the girl in a sixth sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, uh, like, uh, the thing that gets me the most is because, like, oh, my... Jesus, sorry. That might have created a sound. Sushi just, like, I... jumped on the computer, and the computer made, like, this big error sound, like, no! <laughs> Stop it! Uh, too many commands at once. The computer just threw up. <laughs> yeah, the computer is like, Bleh! and then the cat was like, oh, God, okay, I'll get out of here. No, so, like, my job requires a lot of focus, and um, it will really bother me if, like, I'm in the zone and someone comes up behind me and starts talking to me. So what I want to be able to do is, like, turn around and just throw up. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm ready now. What was that again? <laughs> and they're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm never going to get visitors to my desk again because now they think I'm going to throw up on them. Uh, but wouldn't you kind <laughs> of like that? I mean, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I also like so, how the theme of this episode is like creepy stuff found in houses with a healthy dose of Emily and Jen just talking about critters. <laughs> it's my favorite conversation. Critter, critter corner, critter conversation. <laughs> our our next podcast is just going to be us talking about whatever animal we feel like for about an hour. Oh my god, I would love that. I would love to do that. Well, you know, when this one dies, we'll have to think of our, we'll have to reconvene on our new ideas. But anyways, next, next one. So, uh, remember I said I would pick on Canada for a little bit, a little bit, so I'll do this now. This one happened in Hamilton, Ontario. Ontario. And this is a short one. Dude, dude bought a property Mm -hmm. and he found 800 barrels of toxic waste. (gasps) Oh no. Uh. 400 of them behind a wall that he knocked down on the property and no! here's the thing uh, nothing good happens in a barrel and it, it's great because um a lot of this toxic waste was stuff that uh you know super cancerous like coal tar and roof tar which you and i had a conversation about previously and especially on how flammable that is wait we have talked about that yes in the um in the Bernie Fire story that I stole from you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, here, here's the fun part of this. The guy who purchased the property 
already knew there was about 400 barrels of toxic on the property. And he still agreed to purchase the property because he was, like, getting a deal with, like, the city and a couple other things with, like, safely uh, disposing of this stuff. Like, it was part of the deal was, like, this cleanup effort. So how did it get there? That was never something I figured out. I read a couple articles and I was like, I give up on understanding why the toxic waste is in there in the it's first in place. in a house. <laughs> yeah, just like, and, and, you know, the guy was like, fine, I will be responsible for cleaning up the 400 barrels. But then they found the additional 400 barrels behind this wall. Spooky. So, of course, the dude was like, I think the city needs to help me with this cost and the city's like no legally like this shit falls on you because yeah you bought the property and he's like yeah but i agreed to clean up 400 barrels not 800 so it's just gonna be expensive that's a lot yeah so uh no that's a fun short one so now we're gonna move into some ones that are just a little bit longer Uh, um are any more of them barrel related no. Oh, good. Because what I was going to say is it could be possibly, I think maybe this is worse. I know of two stories of one story that um, is both of forensic files and Billy Jensen writes about in his book. And I think they talk about Jensen and Holes. But there was this guy that bought a house, found like a crawl space that had a barrel in it that was really heavy. And he was like, the fuck is this? So they hauled it out to the side to, like, have the trash taken away. And the trash is like, no. And so they opened it, and there was a skeleton inside. Awesome. And he was like, fuck, I'm calling the cops. And they, <laughs> yeah, which is the right choice, probably. And they called the cops, and at, through the investigation, it was not the guy he bought the house from. That guy, like, lived in that house for, like, 20 or 30 years and had never like gone in the crawl space never found this barrel it was the original owner of the house who had murdered his mistress put her in a barrel and put her in the crawl space in his house and then like raised his kids sold the house he retired and like so two like homeowners in this house the third one finally finds it and um yeah it's crazy it's a banana story wow well, there there are no stories in here where there are barrels and bodies. But <laughs> barrels and bodies? Bodies and barrels? <laughs> yes. Well, this just further is why I'm saying nothing good happens in a barrel. Like, toxic waste, bodies, <laughs> fires, trash. What about a barrel of monkeys? Monkeys? I, would you want a hundred monkeys in your house? No. Also, have you ever actually played that game? It is impossible and deeply frustrating. <laughs> I stand by my statement. What about a barrel of soda? A barrel of soda? How much sugar is that? Are you trying to give me diabetes? Cruel. A barrel of wine. Mm. A barrel of beer. Well, if beer is in a barrel, it's going to go flat. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, if wine is in a barrel, I'm suspicious, but I would drink it. What do you, a lot of wines get aged in I guess, barrels, yeah. along with liquors. Oak oak barrels. Okay, I was picturing like a metal barrel, like those industrial drums. All right, I'll... Well, well they do that too. I'll edit it. Uh, only The only good thing that happens in barrels is liquor. <laughs> we, we have, we have uh, solved the world today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
We know about barrels. Yep. Look, we've changed your life with that advice. (laughs) St. Francis, Wisconsin. So we're back in the Midwest. A gentleman by the name of William, elderly gentleman, decided he needed to to upgrade his life, and he was going to start with upgrading his bathroom. I I just imagine he's like, all right, I'm going to put like a clawfoot tub over here. Oh my god. I'm going to put the most fantastic toilet anyone has ever seen over here, and it'll even warm your butt when you sit on it. The wallpaper is going to be like swirly Rococo gold. Oh no, he's going to forego the wallpaper. He's going to just do straight up subway tile around the whole bathroom. I love the image of this old Midwestern man getting super into this like highly designed, like artful bathroom renovation. (laughs) He's going to have a chandelier in there. Oh my God, a chandelier in a bathroom. That is a great idea. If I ever own a house, that's my goal. Like one side of the wall... It's going to be like wall-to-wall vanity with three sinks. With a little, an and a little, cut in. a little stool, like with tufted stool. Yes. And a bench on the other side so that he can like sit down if he needs to, mm. like put on his shoes or wrap himself up in his fancy Turkish towel. You know what he needs? Heated floor tiles. Yes. Obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and, a, and a floor-to-ceiling window. Or, uh, not floor-to-ceiling window, but mirror. Yeah. But some natural lighting. Yeah, Obviously, like those... probably put some skylights in. Yeah, or, like, those windows that are, like, up high in the wall, so, like, people yes. can't see in, but you get lots of natural light. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If Mr. Whitman ever listens to this podcast, he's gonna roll his eyes so hard. Or maybe, listen, <laughs> if the clawfoot tub, if he has some property, maybe there's, like, a window so he can sit in the tub and, like, look out over... Like some green rolling fields and Wisconsin cows and stuff. Or, you know, it could be like that bottle glass window where like it can be totally clear, but you can't see anything through it or frosted. So mm-hmm. he's got lots of options here. He's playing but our, yes. Yeah, the lighting, we're, he's still sketching out ideas with this contractor. So while he was, you know, making the bathroom of his royal dreams, <laughs> uh, he, while cutting into a wall, discovered a small korean missile what and it wasn't just that it was a small korean missile i think um just from the couple of different articles i read it's the sense of the size is about 20 inches it was also live shut up so here we here we are um creating this luxurious bathroom finds a missile so uh, I feel like this is where I get to say this is some typical man shit. What does <laughs> oh, he do? He takes it out into a field and blows it up? No. He shows his wife. He's like, hey, check out this missile. What does his wife do? She immediately takes it outside and calls the police. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> this like just goes back to our Hunter Kaifek story where it's like the guy is like, yeah, there's like all this weird shit. You know, I'm handling this by... Uh, handling this mysterious event by talking to my neighbors about it and like the women in our house are like literally talk to the police please oh my gosh i okay so this is a little bit of an aside but last night i was listening to an old dollop episode and they did the donner party which is one that i had kind of been thinking about doing because everybody knows the donner party but like i learned about it in school and i grew up in that area like between my hometown and where I went to college, there was this pass through the mountains called Immigrant Pass. And then between my college town in California is the original Donner Pass. 
um, which is where, like, in the area where they died and ate each other, and that's, um, they named a pass after them. Uh, it's very dark and creepy. Uh, but the dollop episode was really funny and great, and there's a part before they get into the mountains where, um, it's, they've been warned not to take this Hastings cut off. Um, yep. And the people like there's all these people who are like don't do this don't do this hastings is a bullshitter and they're like no i think we're gonna do this and then they're about to get into the mountains and they have this other moment where people are like dude this is fucked up you're just lost and i think it's reed because it's the donna reed party it's james reed who like writes yeah wasn't read the one who made the decision or was it Donner that made the decision to take the Hastings cut off regardless? I think it's I think it was Donner who made the decision to take yeah. the Hastings cut off regardless and then they like get to a, they take the Hastings cut off which like hardcore delays them and they get to this point and Reed is sort of like I'm just gonna make it up and we'll just go over there and see what happens. But Reed like wrote in his journal that they they camped somewhere and he called it Mad Women Camp because all the women essentially were like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? What do you mean the Hastings cut off was a bad like you knew that it was a bad idea and you still did it and now you just want us to go ahead where there isn't a path like what the like they all essentially were just like you guys are fucking idiots uh and then they're like well we're gonna do it anyway and like so. It's nice to know nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, anyway, how did the missile get there. <laughs> b- before you get into that, I just want to say I probably will not do an episode on the Donner Party, just because it's very famous and the dollop episode is like better than I could ever do. But I will say, if you're listening, please in the group come and tell me if you learned about the Donner Party in school, because I learned about it a lot. And Clint and James, who is my boyfriend and Clint's friend, Clint got really mad at me and said that I have to say that he's also James's friend. Uh, <laughs> wow, Clint, you're a little bit possessive there, aren't you? Yeah, you little bitch. Anyway. Um, he's my friend, too. He was my friend before you dated him. You have to say that he's my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, I am. Look. There. I didn't say I wouldn't give you, you a sound silly like, voice. <laughs> but we were talking about it, and we were talking about how, like, we learned about this in school, like, every year, and we learned so much about it, and, like, all of us know all these weird little facts. And it's from, like, grade school, where we, like, like, learned about all this stuff. And then, like, living other places, we're kind of like, I don't think other kids learn about this as much as we did. Um, so the only request I have is, especially if you did not grow up in Nevada, please tell me if you learned extensively about Pioneers and the Donner Party as a young child. Well, that's how I feel about, like, Roanoke. Yeah. Because people meet the dog and they'll be like, what's his name? And I was like, well, his name is Roanoke, but we call him Oki. And they're like, Roanoke, Virginia. And I'm like, no, Roanoke Lost Colony. Yeah. I, there's just got to be something about regional stories that they're like, let's terrify children with something that happened like a 30 minute drive away from them. (laughs) Man, do I have some like Appalachian 
um wood stories for you but anyways oh my god moving on we we get i want you to make a pact to me that in the next season we both do some sort of appalachian story because appalachia is a spooky fucking place and amazing and filled with a rich and interesting not only um human history but geological history yeah and that's science jennifer for today how did the Korean bomb get in the wall, Jennifer? <laughs> so, the most likely suspect is the previous homeowner who was a World War II vet who had a son who was in the Korean War and they were both into collecting war memorabilia. Fucking dudes. So, again, typical guy shit. Yeah. But I for I forgive I forgive bad decisions all the time, but People, listen, just don't keep a live missile in the walls of your house. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) So, next one. I I will talk about this one that happened in Franklin County, Illinois first, because afterwards, um, I'm going to pick on the North. (laughs) Just, Just a whole tour of North American dumbassery. And I, so a lot of these stories that I got are from news articles so i'm not giving people's full names like i normally would if you guys are interested in it there's enough details in this stuff that you can look it up yourself i just this stuff is really recent it's like within you know the past 10 years so i'm not gonna call anyone on their shit fair (laughs) so um on again we're in november so i just want to pause and say if it's September, October, November, don't buy a and house. You are generally living in the Midwestern region. Don't buy a house. Yeah, why are all or these expect people... some weird house shit? Yeah, why are all these things? Is it just like all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, it's cold. Time to rip my walls apart." Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, you know what? I think actually. There probably is a lot of remodeling done during the winter months that can be done just without needing an outside space because it gets fucking cold up there. Yeah. I mean, I I lived up there. It's fucking cold. So, anyways, um, Shannon and her son, Ricky, disappeared. No. Oh, no. Uh, Shannon was in the middle of a custody dispute with Ricky's father, Michael, Um. Michael had won temporary custody rights, and Shannon had accused him of child molestation. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, this just keeps getting worse. Investigators didn't find any evidence, and so when they didn't find any evidence of child abuse, they awarded Michael full custody, and at that point, Shannon and Ricky disappeared. Oh, God. Um. Something that's important to note is that Michael uh, was a former police officer, and he uh, was or is a lieutenant colonel in the Illinois Army National Guard. Oh, no. Disappeared. Custody dispute. Things look suspicious. Well, in September 2009, so everybody take a second and do the math there. 11 years ago? Oh, God. How was 2009 11 years ago? 
They disappeared 2007. Oh, oh, two years between. Okay, gotcha. That was the math you wanted me to do. Yep. <laughs> uh, Shannon and Ricky were found alive living inside of Diana's walls no! in a small secret room. Oh, no! That is not how I thought that was going to happen. I know. What the Twist. fuck? Diana, if anyone is curious, is the grandmother. So basically, after... So did she, like, Shan- hide them away on purpose? Or was she like, well, I'm just as yes. shocked as everyone else? <gasps> Shannon and Diana both claimed that Michael was a child molester. And so they hid Shannon and Ricky what? inside of this secret space what? in Diana's walls. And they got around, like, in these little tiny wall passages. What, how old was Ricky while this was happening? I did not capture the age, but he was a child. Whoa, that is, man, I hope he writes a memoir someday. Right, imagine living in some walls for two years, like, and not going to school, not being able to socialize and make friends. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little fucked up. Well, and like, think if you're like three, that would be your only memories. Or if you're like eight, you're old enough to be like, well, I guess this is normal. And then you have this moment of like, wow, this is not like at any point in childhood, it would be so weird. Did she go to jail? What happened? How did this story end? Uh, Yeah. So both Shannon and Diana have been uh, had charges brought up against them. Shannon with child abduction and something else and Diana with basically aiding and abetting. Hmm. I don't know if those those charges held, but. Uh, that wasn't really what I was interested in this story as much as it was like, there are two living people hiding and living in a wall and in a secret space. That is bonkers. Well, and normally when people are hiding in secret, like living in secret spaces, they've been like kidnapped and forced in there. But this is like, I voluntarily am going to live like a borrower. I know. Everybody is like, oh, they were killed and it was the dad. Yeah. Because he has all this background and these resources. Nope. They're alive. Wow. And they ran away. What a fucking twist. That is like, oh, I don't even know what emotions I'm feeling right now. But that is, I want to see that plot line as a movie, as a book, as a memoir. I want everything. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm just trying to think like, you know... I know that there are all points in human history where people have had to hide in houses, in walls, in secret spaces. But just trying to imagine what that would be like, I think, I feel like I would be okay for about six months before I'd start losing my damn mind. Yeah, I was wondering if it's like, um, I mean, I feel like we started by talking about Edgar Allan Poe that you read in high school, and another thing that you probably read in junior high or high school is a diary of Anne Frank and like yep. the way that she talks about how they have to be quiet all the time like I'm like was it like that or was it like they'd come out of their secret room and hang out with grandma when it was nighttime and no one could hear them or like wow that is crazy well and it's just funny because like you know you can take something like the cask of Amontillado and realize that like you know, it's a it's a really ridiculous revenge story, but there's still like 
a lot of proximity to reality, right? Yeah, I have some memory, and I don't know if this is real or fiction or where I read it or heard it, so if anyone wants to fact check it or ignore it entirely, um, but I have some memory of um, a like in the Middle Ages or something, nuns, they would have a nun get walled up in the cornerstone when they were building a new abbey they would like wall her up alive uh and then she would die there to like make the ground holy i don't know how true that is i feel like that might be a story that's like everyone believes that but it probably didn't happen or maybe it did happen i don't know but well you know how history loves a good sacrifice story yeah yeah and like the weird apocryphal stories are so fun um i feel like i've heard that too but i'm with you i there's nothing in my memory bank telling me whether that was just like a myth or um something that was actually practiced yeah 50 50 i could go either way on it (laughs) that's exactly how i feel too like i'm like oh what a beautiful like detail for a fictional story or something that really happened i don't know well i i'm actually glad that we started talking about nuns (laughs) because this is a sentence uh, that that's a sentence that's never been uttered in history before (laughs) Well, it's mildly related. So we're going to move into Auburn, Pennsylvania. And for those of you who don't know about Pennsylvania, um, it is the north. Uh, It is an area predominantly uh, founded by the Dutch. Uh Quakers. Quakers. Uh, Interesting... uh, religious world Uh in the colonial ages of Pennsylvania. But um, I have to say there's some inconsistencies in dates. So I have 2015 as the one of the articles that I got, but another source quoted 2012. So what I do know for a fact is that this house was purchased in 2011. When this event happened... Anywhere between 2012 and 2015, I guess. Hmm. So, um, because we're in Pennsylvania, it's fucking cold. Yeah. Also, so just Pennsylvania is weirdly large for an eastern state. Like, western states are so big compared to eastern ones. But Pennsylvania is like, it's a big boy. Yep, it's pretty big. Um... I lived right smack in the middle of North Carolina, and three hours one way was the mountains, and three hours the other way was the ocean, and an hour and a half, I was in the next state going north. So, um, I I grew up on the- Small. Yeah, I grew up on the eastern side of Nevada, and two hours one way, you hit- a small town that was somewhere you could stop and pee and gamble. And another two hours you hit Reno, (laughs) which is infamous three hours. The other way you hit Salt Lake city two hours North. You hit a small town, shitty Idaho. And if you went South, you could just go forever and only see very tiny spooky Stephen King like towns before you hit Vegas, like nine hours later. But in all yeah. of those directions, before you hit those bigger cities, 
you drive past a prison. <laughs> well, and it's nothing like that in the East Coast. Like, you're always in a town. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's funny because I hear people talking in Austin and be like, well, I'm driving to blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah is basically the only real town that's next to the city. And then it's like two and a half hours drive where it's like, I have a friend that lives in Jamestown and it takes me 10 minutes to get there from the town that I live in, yeah. you know, North Carolina. So um, distance is very, very different. But anyways, so Pennsylvania, it's cold. Family decides they want to insulate the walls of this house that they purchased in 2011. Not a bad idea. So, you know, they're doing their business and they start tearing down the walls to put in insulation. And then they started finding weird things um small artifacts um half used spices what um and then a fuck ton and i I will just go ahead and say a metric fuck ton of animal carcasses (gasps) wrapped up in newspapers what no from the 1930s and 40s no i don't like it at all what's happening (laughs) animal carcasses Yes. Ooh. So the fam, and you know, I really picked this one not only because it's just like the spectacle of this discovery must have been horrifying, but it's also very interesting from a historical standpoint. Yeah. Because, what? Um, the family sent the artifacts and the carcasses to an expert in, I guess this is Cutstown, and the expert um, believes that these things are part of the Dutch powwow. Really? Yes. And uh, Dutch powwow, for those of you who don't know, is a type of magic that the uh, settlers in the Dutch community would practice um, to treat ailments. It could also help you gain like physical and spiritual protection. And putting animal carcasses, like small... Uh, artifacts like spices and flowers and stuff inside the walls of your home is not unusual. It's just that this was an incredible amount of animal carcass. They were like that they found in their walls. We have some very bad luck. So it is, and unfortunately, the cleanup cost because you know it's the two thousands and. They don't practice Dutch powwow, and, you know, there's some health concerns about having animal carcasses in your walls, of course. Yeah. It, it is pretty expensive. They, um, I think, and maybe I'm misremembering this, but it was, you know, anywhere upwards between, like, fifty to 100000 <gasps> to, like, do the cleanup for this. Oh, so. wow. So $50,000. Or, or, I'm not 100% sure... Uh, I didn't write down a number, and I really should have, but basically, like, the family that had this even started, like, a crowdfunding site, or um, someone had recommended, like, they set up a crowdfunding site to, like, help clean out this anomaly in their house. Oh, no. So. That um, is weirdly wholesome. That's not exactly where I thought it would go, but uh, I'm happy that that's where it went. I thought it was well, going to be like a weird, uh, like taxidermy or like 1930s killing animals for nefarious purposes or something. Well, you know, the thing is, is like, um, it seems like an odd practice, but there's all kinds of human history about 
um, like animal carcasses and its uh, connection to like protection magic. Yeah. And actually, I, I mean, there's, you know, even um, a practice of like wrapping up dead cats and putting them inside your house to protect you. So that's, and that's true. Yeah. So uh, it's just it's just interesting. And when I came across that article, I was just like, huh, who knew? Yeah. And actually, this is the article that started my whole journey down what kind of fucked up shit people find in malls. My friend in college, girl Casey, uh, there are two Casey's, girl Casey and boy Casey. Casey O'Lear is girl Casey. And she lived in this apartment and she had ants really bad. And I don't remember. I think she was like, I have ants really bad. And then like, she called an exterminator and the ex I can't remember if the exterminator was there or if this happened before she called them. But at some point, basically one of them was like, Oh, this wall is like weirdly soft and they pushed on it and it just hemorrhaged ants like cascading, oh, no. like in the shining when the elevator doors open and blood rushes out like that, but ants coming out of a wall. Like she had an entire wall that was just ants behind it. And she was calling an exterminator because she's like, I just keep getting them in my kitchen or something. <laughs> oh God. That is that would be a nightmare situation for me. Isn't that horrifying? <laughs> so again, I being the insect lover and I do have a no kill policy in my house. So unfortunately if you live in my house and they're insects. You also have to learn how to live with the nature that's in my house. But um, I do get really creeped out by ants. And I have a massive amount of respect for them. They're really interesting. And I think they're smart in a way that, in their special insect brain way. But um, ants really freak me out. And I, because of where I live in, in Texas, I do have to deal with ants in the house. And even if one, like, and they're tiny, they're just, like, tiny, tiny, little, tiny ants. And, like, if one will crawl across the counter, it's, like, a whole thing for me. Or it's, like, all right, I don't like you. You mostly are indifferent about me. But here's the thing. If you touch my fork, we're going to have a problem. Now you go tell all your cousins to get away from my shit. I, so you and ants are kind of like me and wolf spiders. Like you, you pull out knives and you're like, listen, you decide how this ends, ants. <laughs> Basically. Well, and I get them really bad in the bathroom too, because, you know, they're seeking water. And of course, like the bathroom is like, you know, a tropical island for them. So I'll get in there in the morning and I'm super, I'm super nearsighted. I cannot see without um glasses or contacts and it's not like oh, it's a little bit blurry like i have no real field of vision without glasses so i'll get in there i'll start opening up my contacts case and like a, i'll have like a very blurry like streak of color like crawl across my hand or crawl near the counter and when i get my vision on i'll realize that it's an ant and then i'm just like mortified like, you touched me. I, <laughs> You're on my contacts. Listen, I just want to throw this idea out there to you. So my mom is like you. Like, houses are immaculate, spotless. When we were growing up, I mean, it was like every weekend, deep cleaning. 
every night wiping everything down with cleaning products like immaculate um and i remember getting ants in my childhood home but as an adult i have had an ant problem maybe once and i've lived all over and places where i should get ants and i don't uh so maybe having a slightly dirtier house not that my house is ever gross or sticky but it's just not immaculate maybe that's the key you know I hear you. <laughs> but I'm not going to change. <laughs> I'm not going to change. This is a matter of sanity. I, You know, it's funny because, like, I, I will own this. And at this point, Clint, you can cut out all this because we're just jabbering. But um, for me, like, I I grew up poor. I grew up in a messy house. But I was always tidy. And it was, like, my my center of control. Like, I had this space that wasn't chaos, and it was mine, and I owned it. But then also, as I got older, like, there are all kinds of ways that, like, mess can set you back or slow you down. So, like, I value organization because it makes my day-to-day easier and faster. I don't have to think about, like, where where are my shoes? Where are my socks? Um, where do I keep all my recipes? Or that kind of thing. Yeah. But then... It gets a little more practical. Again, I told you I'm super, super nearsighted. I, I, my ability to not trip and fall at night or to navigate my space requires some memorization yeah. of where things are. And the other thing is like trusting that there's not stuff on the floor, that there's not things where they shouldn't be that I'm going to trip on and just because I can't see it. Yeah, well, and that makes sense. I, like, it really does. And I think we've talked about this before. So, yeah, Clint, if you want to cut it out, you can. But, like, yeah, I think part of the reason why I'm not obsessed with my house being clean is because my mom was like that. And I hated it. And, like, for me, I've described it before of, like, I want to come into my house and sit down and see, like, that my cats are snuggling on blankets instead of that the blankets are put away or that, like, I have books and projects and like I want to walk into my house and see the activity of a human living there, not see this perfectly pristine house. Um, and I also realized too that some of my chaos became this way of like trusting myself where like if you ask me where my passport is, I don't know. But I would go, well, here's where I would put it if I had it right now and I'll go and look in that place and that's where it is. And so <laughs> there's just, and like my clothes are kind of chaotically organized and then I'll go, Oh, those look really good together. And so it becomes like a creative energy for me to be like, okay, if I just listen to my own internal chaos and like, it becomes really like generative and I get new ideas and stuff. But also to be fair, my house isn't, immaculate or perfect <laughs> no and and you have been in my house and not been horrified so it's not no. scary no it's it, it is it is just a very different we're just very different you know you because it is you have like a lot of stuff <laughs> like and i don't mean that like you have a lot of shit i mean like you have decorative items you have like tables and you put stuff on those tables and like you know, you have well, overstuffed bookshelves and like it, you know, like you pointed out, it's like a human lives here. Like, and it really does feel like that. I like lived in houses, but 
Um, you know, I also have a different aesthetic where it's like, I don't like a lot of shit on the walls. And I also don't want to have to clean a bunch of shit on the walls or a bunch of surfaces. Yeah. So. Well, and I will say your house doesn't feel cold. It also feels lived in, but just a very different aesthetic. We're the same, but different. Yeah. Uh, there's a really... Right, fun. Yeah, there's an old meme that's like, uh, it's like, a, I think it's like a hairless cat and a chihuahua or something like that. And it's like, we are so different, yet so similarities. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're describing. <laughs> so are you the chihuahua or are you the hairless cat? I want to be the chihuahua, or I want to be the hairless cat, but I feel in my heart I know that I am a chihuahua. Like, <laughs> just the sort of, like, nervous vibration of energy that can't hold still feels a little bit more in line with who I am than this, like, evil-looking, stone-cold, naked cat. Well, I feel like a chihuahua would lick a floor. And the hairless cat would be like, no, that's gross. Yeah, I mean, my, my statement still stands. I like how you're like, I feel like a chihuahua would lick a floor as if I would be, like, offended or discouraged. And then I'm like, no, if I was a dog, I would absolutely lick a floor. Oh, no. I, I am 90% sure that if you drop something on the floor, you're like, it's still good. Yeah, I am. I 100% do that. <laughs> even even in my house, where I have so many pets, uh, if I pick it up and it has hair on it, I just wash the hair off and eat it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get our closer in. Sorry, Clint. I know it's going to be a lot to cut out. I'm not. I'm not sorry. Uh, also, I, I am sorry if anyone who knows me in real life is horrified by my floor eating, but whatever. You're not hurting anybody. No, I'm probably just. But on that note, yeah, I'm not hurting anybody. Goodbye forever. <laughs> Goodbye forever. All right, stop. And button. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. I'm not here. Leave a message after the tone. Beep! Hi, this is Emily. I'm calling to talk to Jennifer. Uh, have her give me a call back. Bye. Was it? Oh, yeah. Inbox full. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fuck! What did, what did uh, old T 
machines say? Well, you know, you got like that beep, 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 beep sound. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember my dad would get like some really long uh, messages on the, on the answering box. And I was like, man, I don't understand the point of this machine other than you hate yourself and you want to torture yourself a little bit every day. Oh my gosh. One time my family and I were out of town over the weekend and we came back and we're all like in the kitchen listening to the messages and this message plays and it was something like, hi, Dave, uh, this is Cheryl. Just wanted to say I had a, a great time on our date uh, and I hope that we can get together soon. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. And all five of us just like stood there staring at each other like, what do we do? Like, it was so awkward. And we were just like, should we call her back? Because she left her number. We're like, should we call her back and say she had the wrong number? And apparently Dave didn't have a good I date. I know. And uh, I think my dad was kind of like the one who was like, oh, she'll figure it out when he doesn't call. And we were like, but what if she made a mistake? And then again, I think it was my dad who was like, I don't think she did. Like <laughs> the heavy implication being that like this might have been a wrong number on purpose. But like I just remember <laughs> the couple seconds after it played where like everyone in my family is just like, oh no, what do we do? <laughs> Awkward. That's yeah. great. Um I so I don't really leave voicemails too often i do leave voicemails for you and they're always weird and i also try to get you while you're traveling and make stupid suggestions like this like the prog thing i think was in a voicemail or maybe i'm misremembering that's that. true i don't leave voicemails very much either um i do with my family uh because we like talk on the phone a lot and so sometimes i'll just call and if it goes to voicemail i'll be like oh it's just me i was just calling to chat you don't have to call me back you know, like something like that, or like, oh, I have a funny story. Call me back when you can, or whatever, right? Like, so they know. Um, but my brother's mailbox is always full. He's the youngest, and he's the worst. And like, sometimes you'll text him, and never hear anything back. Or like, two weeks later, he'll be like, "LOL, that is funny." And you're just like, "What the fuck?" I mean, sometimes he... he's very busy, Emily. Jeez. Well, he has this job where he's like out in the field. And so sometimes he's living for, like, 10 days or two weeks, like, out where there's no roads or cell service or anything. So that can be kind of forgiven. But still, it's just like, what is happening? I feel like that's a question that I ask myself a lot. What is happening? <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you what's happening right now. I can, too. I know what's going on right now. We are recording one of the last episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of which, three seconds, pour one out for Clint. Pour one out for Clint. But I have to pee first. Clint, you can cut out this part where I say I have to pee, and I'll just be good when I come back in. Clint doesn't cut out anything when we tell him to cut stuff out. He's become very defiant. It's true. It hurts my heart, but I'm also proud of him. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird mixed bag. Uh, 